My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. I am Iron Man. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Post Credit Podcast. I am your host, Eric Italiano, senior writer at BroBible.com, and I am joined by my co-host, Kate Onder, senior gaming news writer at Screen Rant. We took off last week for a couple of reasons. First and foremost being that the book of Boba Fett kind of sucks. And I didn't feel like episode three, which is highly maligned so far. I've been seeing better reactions to episode four thus far. But episode three was getting crushed for its sort of like Power Rangers um, slow chase, I think. And we'll talk about this more. But I think so far the problem with the show is that Robert Rodriguez seems to be imbuing too much of his latest <laughs> film, which which is a children's film called We Can Be Heroes. Uh, I've not the Spy Kids, right? Like they brought them back. Or it's kind of like, like a Spy and Lava Girl and stuff. Like they they brought back old characters from his older something movies. very weird like that. I have not seen it, <laughs> so if you know exactly how that film went down, please feel free to let us know. But that's sort of the vibe that I've got from Boba Fett last week. And the second reason is because Peacemaker came out, but um, we just wanted to give you all time to catch up on that. But this week we are starting with um Joss Whedon, who yeah. decided to crawl out of his hole to give an interview with Vulture, which is part of a uh, New York magazine. They're like their pop culture brand. And for somebody who, A, hasn't made a good film in a long time, and B, someone who the headlines have been negative about for the last two, three years, showed up to do nothing to help his cause whatsoever and made things absolutely worse. Long story short, he... Um, he made a quote about like how the early internet raised him and the current one canceled him and, uh, and that he uh, cut down the cyborg storyline because he didn't think the storyline made much sense and that Ray Fisher can't act. And then I think the most egregious comment, and it just shows like the white male privilege that he exists in. He thinks that Gal Gadot felt that he was threatening her career because English is not her first language. Insane. Which implies that he's basically implying that she didn't understand him. Gadot responded to, to his comments saying that I understood perfectly and I would advise my peers to not work with this man. I don't really know if there's much to break down here or discuss, but I just I guess I, I want to hear your thoughts about Whedon deciding to do this and just how absurd it came off. Usually when you see a profile piece or something like that, it comes because so-and-so is doing a new project or whatever, and they're trying right. to promote it. He got nothing. No, he's not developing anything. Like everyone's kind of like distanced themselves from him. So like, he's just, I don't know if like his PR people were like, we're going to rebuild your image here. Don't worry, Joss, we got you covered. <laughs> we're going to get things back on track. Don't worry. And then he just don't do any, just don't be yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be yourself. And he just goes in there. He's like, you know, Ben Affleck, uh, Henry Cavill, they're all fucking liars. What do they know? You know, I don't get it. Right. He made some comments like he had never worked with a rooter cast. It's like Zack Snyder never had a problem with them. He loves them. So what do you do? Like it's, you know, it's the common thing of like, I think if, Everyone else is fine with these people, but you have a problem. You're probably the problem. Absolutely. Like, I, I don't I don't know how this guy is this disconnected this many years after the fact, too. Like, right. it's not like this is just fresh. You know, he also some made time. some comments about somebody. I forget what show he did that he was famous for. Alias, maybe I could. Be yeah, wrong, Buffy but, uh, and stuff like that. So somebody from one of those shows had come <laughs> out against him saying like uh, abuse and that he called her fat when she was pregnant and blah, blah blah he denied those as well 
I think that this reeks of a guy who thinks that his art is better than it is. You know what I mean? So like you could get away with a lot, uh, particularly being a douchebag. If you're a singular artist, like if you do genuinely, and I'm not saying that that's okay. I'm just saying that that's the fact of the world, right? Like you, uh, you have a bigger leash to be more of a douchebag because it's uh, perceived as being part and parcel with being a artist. The problem is his shit sucks. Yeah. He's not David or Russell, right? Like who's right, a known it, asshole. <laughs> exactly. Perfect example, right? So, and again, he's not even, he's better. It's not like yeah, he's the sure. uh, the cream of the crop either, but that's the perfect example of, this is a guy who just seems totally disconnected from not only the way the world is, but the way that the culture receives his art. Like I'm trying to picture him being like his quote unquote stands being like, oh, fuck yeah, Joss is back, <laughs> Joss is back to talk that shit. And I just, I can't picture it. So it was a bizarre move. This is somebody, as you said, who is not attached to much going uh, now. I can't see that be the case going forward, especially after what he said. So I'll kind of end it there with Joss Whedon. Just shut the fuck up. Yeah. Just just fade you, away and shut the fuck do up. Do you think he'll ever get a chance to come back? Because I feel like... Well, what maybe, do you define as a chance? Uh, it's a great question, actually. Like, like a know. big budget studio IP project? Yeah, I, I guess that now that I'm saying that out loud, that's not going to happen. No. <laughs> okay. and, and his personality aside... Just by the evidence of the films that he's created since Avengers, which in hindsight is an okay movie, right? But I don't think it's aged that well. I think that in the moment, it was a moment. And that's why people have such respect for it. But if you see where the Avenger films and the MCU films have gone since then, you know, I would argue that that's probably a not even top half mcu film it's a good foundation for what came later but and then the justice league debacle which again that's one of the (laughs) literally one of the worst movies i've ever seen yeah (laughs) so his uh sociopathy aside i didn't think he would get the keys regardless now when you crossed paths with something with powerful hollywood players like ben affleck and gal gadot that is i don't see like could he get a gig directing tv Sure, sure. But do I ever see someone giving him the keys? Absolutely not. Moving Uh, on to superhero (laughs) films that we are actually pumped for. The Batman reported runtime of two hours and 55 minutes. Uh, Matt Reeves came out this week and described it as an almost horror film. Uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but he was like, it's a thriller, it's action, it's detective, but it's also kind of a horror story, which I think um, gives further credence to people who have been saying that it's giving off very much like seven with Batman vibes. So really what I want to talk about the runtime is twofold. I think it makes the trailers even more exciting when you consider how little they've shown us. And now to be fair... (laughs) Trailers are always 1% portion of a film. You know, if a film is two hours and the trailer is two minutes, that's the way it's always going to be, right? But trailers are still guilty of showing too much. You're quickly cutting between a lot. It's a minimal amount of time, but you're showing a lot because you're going to scene to scene to scene to scene really quickly. Exactly. Like one scene. Exactly. So I think that the fact that this is pushing three hours combining with, I think that the newest trailer that we saw was the most expansive in terms of. Yeah. Uh, how much of the plot they showed but even still you get the feeling that because of this runtime we really haven't seen a lot which is i always think a good thing but then b and i brought this up to you in our text do you see this as confirmation and there were rumors in the last few months that warner bros was screening screen testing i'm not sure that the exact term two different versions of of the film one of which and again these are all rumors but they've come from 
varied and reliable sources. Yeah. One cut was Joker less. One cut was Joker full. Do you take <laughs> Do you take a nearly three hour Batman film as a sign that they wound up choosing the Joker cut? Well, I, I was interested because earlier today I was uh, reading Twitter and uh, Stephen Weintraub or Collider Frosty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He said that he had reached out to Warner Brothers in October to verify this exact runtime. And that means it's been locked in for a really long time. And then mm. someone else, uh, another Twitter account known for kind of spreading rumors and stuff was like, yeah, they haven't changed it since the, those test screenings that we heard about in like August. And I'm like, right. that sounds, I, I guess we don't know how much Joker is in those scenes that they screen test. I'm just like assuming though, no, and scenes, but... the reason that I bring that up is because <clears throat> a Joker C plot, D plot is something that I could see taking up 10 to 15 minutes. And I think that that right. would, is probably what explains in addition to standard storytelling, I, like there's a huge difference between two and a half hours <laughs> and, and close to three hours, right? Yeah, no, it's substantial yes so i think that 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 could be explained by not only are they telling this story but they're also building out the world of the franchise it says a lot about several things one that his shit is so good that they didn't want to cut much out and so like i said i mean that's been the runtime since like you know around august or something i think or the fall and two that warner Bros. has so much confidence because you know, I'm, I'm not telling you anything new, but for those that don't know, you know, the longer your runtime is, especially at a three hour mark, the less show times you get in the day at a movie theater. Right. So you technically could lose money on if you if your movie sucks and you have it playing for less show times and stuff and less people are going to be going. But it shows a lot of confidence, in my opinion, that they're willing to go. We're going to go three, three hours or just under because there are like three superhero movies that I can think of. Three, maybe even just one. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, like Endgame is the only superhero. So you of. just led right into a point that I was going to make. So this is confirmed to be the <laughs> longest Batman film yet. Yeah. I should have looked this up beforehand. In terms of yeah, longest true. superhero film, I don't think Infinity War is that long. It's like two hours and 45, I think. Yeah. And I think Endgame is probably in the neighborhood and No Way Home as well. But other than that, I yeah. can't really think of a superhero film that pushes that runtime and i think more so than matt reeves and how good it is i think that that's a bet on the batman character right like i don't think anybody who was planning on seeing this whether they be a hardcore or casual fan hears that instead of it being 215 it's 255 and now they're gonna be like oh fuck that you know what i mean so i just i I just think that they're like do i think that aquaman 2 is gonna be that long (laughs) no absolutely not so i think (laughs) i think there's an additional leeway for the character and then on top of what you said, based on what they've seen, they're obviously confident as hell in the actual film itself. Yeah. Um, the Dark Knight Rises is the closest thing I could find, which is another Batman movie. And that's at two hours and 45. Infinity War is like two and a half hours. So is No Way Home. So a lot of the Marvel movies are like, they try to stick to that two hour and 30 minute mark. Um, but yeah, I guess it speaks to maybe the prestige of Batman um you know what i mean of just like people see it as a higher caliber thing and are willing to invest the time into it beyond just like oh let's go watch people beat the shit out of each other right there's a story being told here right and there's like people really think 
like I said, it's, it's high caliber and prestige. Almost. And it's, the reason that, that I think stupid. I think you give the credits to the character and not so much the film itself, even though I think both things are at stake here. When you look at like directors, right? When Tarantino or Scorsese come out and are like, my film is going to be three hours long. People say, give it to us. You know what I mean? There's yeah. no real <laughs> problems there. So I'm assuming that that logic is the same here. We are recording this on January 20th. Batman comes out on March 4th. I got to imagine, given that I'm hearing rumblings that greetings have been started to show, that w- that I will have hopefully have seen it w- within the next three weeks. That's my hopefully. guess. Yeah, um, and I'll have to listen to you talk about it at some point while I sit here like a regular <laughs> Joe because Iowa sucks ass. Okay, but... <laughs> um, we'll, we'll make up for that time that you won't have then. For now, because this is your <laughs> corner of the space, Microsoft has acquired Activision for a reported $68 billion deal. You put out a great tweet to put into context how much that is. You want to share that quick? Yeah. So if you compare this to the Disney Fox deal, which was, I think, like 71.3 billion to be like exact, uh, that is crazy because Fox has so much more shit than Activision does. But I think that speaks to the level of where gaming is at and the value that holds because you know, you can have a shitload of film IPs. It's not like they're doing much with all of them, you know, at, at a time. But a game like Call of Duty goes on and on and on every year. They generate just billions and billions of dollars on one franchise. And then they have a couple other things that trickle out in between. But they got Call of Duty, the mainline entry. They have Warzone and Call of Duty Mobile. And that's the biggest thing. Uh, but yeah, so Activision was well, real yeah. quick before I clear out for you. <laughs> I think that it also speaks to something that we've talked about on the show before. And mm-hmm. that's the growing uh, two way bridge symbiotic nature between gaming and film. Right. You got to think that active uh, Xbox sees this as an opportunity to not only mine the IP for games, yes. but to, I, to mine the IP for TV shows and films. Yes. Um, Activision was developing a Call of Duty film franchise, not just one movie. They wanted to build a cinematic universe of Call of Duty Which not long ago. Terrible. But... It, I don't get how you do it because it's, they're just war movies, you know, like at that right. point. I mean, unless you do like specific characters, but at that point, I don't know. Uh, either way, yes, I totally agree. I mean, Microsoft is already investing in a Halo TV series on Paramount. They have a Gears of War movie that's been in development for god knows how long and um they seem to be interested in venturing in that direction so yeah i think that's a total possibility when and where that happens we'll see but yes i think you're totally on the money with that but uh yeah so this deal was done um well it's not done yet they they basically announced the intent to purchase them right so uh, the deal isn't expected to close until summer of 2023 it could happen before then but it'll probably take a while regardless um the specifics of all of it are again up in the air just because there's no no deal has been made yet right they can't do anything so um nobody knows if call of duty is going to be xbox exclusive microsoft has come out and said they intend or they have the desire that's their exact quote the desire to keep it on playstation why is that the game that you keep bringing up is it does it still hold the cultural relevance that it did five years ago yes sometimes it really depends it's, it's a really weird thing because i guess like if you wanted to put it on the graph I, no one else can see me but you but like call of duty was at like a peak you know probably in like 20 early 2010s 
And then after like Call of Duty Ghosts came out in like 2013, it started to kind of drop off. And they went to those future and space games that kind of mm-hmm. started to fall. And then in 2019, they went right back up to uh, with the release of Modern Warfare. And that was, again, like, that's the peak ever. Because uh, that game sold 30 million copies. And I think it's the 20th best-selling game of all time. Okay. Of anything. And that's a crazy number. Now, the other two games that have really since then, Black Ops Cold War and Vanguard, have not performed nearly as well. And their sales are kind of declining. But this year is expected to be the sequel to Modern Warfare. So people are expecting it to go right back up. I guess it really just depends on the quality and the consistency. And that leads into my next point, because just before we started recording, this is what I was doing right before I hopped on, uh, a rumor came out from Bloomberg that Activision may stop the yearly releases of Call of Duty in order to give it time to breathe in between years. So fans kind of miss it, you know, and they want it to come back. And the developers have the opportunity to really put the time and care into it and also maybe go work on other things um but yeah call of duty is like the big one because i could see you know crash bandicoot being an xbox exclusive. oh thank you that's i was just gonna ask you who's the orange guy that, that yeah crash that bandicoot i almost see a crash bandicoot movie i.e sonic oh being yeah more of a viable success route in the <clears throat> film world than a call of duty film because if you that, look though. at like comparisons like do people really care about the jack ryan show on prime <laughs> you know what i mean and yeah. and, and so I, I i just don't see uh or the gi joe film yeah. that no, just exactly. came out this past year so i feel like sort of war or even the uh michael b jordan movie that came out this past year without uh, remorse without remorse now yeah. i know that tom Clancy. clancy's were books before they were yeah. games but the last 25 years of people know them as games Right. Yeah, exactly. So, and I'm just not sure that the war video game route is viable at this point. On the flip no. side, you have Sonic, which when the first trailer came out, they got bullied. Yeah. But now but now the sequel got made like that. Yeah. So it was, it was a good hit. So um, I don't I, that's why I guess I'm fascinated by the fact that Call of Duty seems to be like the big piece that's being talked about here. Yeah, I guess it's just because that's the dominant franchise for them. Right. And it's, it's, you're totally right in that. Um, like, I, I guess call of duty works. Like if you want to see a call of duty movie, go play the campaign because they're like a six to eight hour story. Right. That is incredibly cinematic. And uh, those are fun to play. And I think you lose that if you just try to make it into a movie, they're more fun to play than to watch. Probably. Plus it's not like uncharted where there's a defined protagonist. Exactly. Right. For from game to game. Yeah, I understand the IP value of the Call of Duty brand, but yeah. you could slap that on any movie you want. At the end yeah, of the day, it's a war. There's yeah. no specific <laughs> character or hero that is drawing people in. I mean, it's the most blatant sort of lowbrow, lowest common denominator. Hey, we have this IP. Yeah. And the reason that I'm sort of leaning on the film aspect here is gaming is growing and will continue yeah. to grow but you don't buy something for seven billion seventy billion dollars to only have it exist in one format nope and uh i i funnily if i don't know why i just thought of this what if they did uh call of duty movies like the cloverfield thing where they just take some other person's movie and just 
slap Call of Duty on exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. Change some story beats to be like, oh, here's Captain Price. <laughs> it's just like that's it. Um, yeah, I, 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 it's it's interesting. People keep arguing about whether or not it will go exclusive because the interesting thing about it right now is that Sony has a contract with Activision regarding we get some sort of exclusive content from every piece or every Call of Duty game every year. Um, sometimes that's a mode. Sometimes it's just some maps. Doesn't really matter. Uh, as long as they fulfill that, they're good. And then PlayStation slaps their brand on every Call of Duty commercial that gets put on TV. And it's like, best place to play is PlayStation, right? Right. They're going to honor that. But once that deal expires, is Xbox going to play nice? I don't know. Um, it, it sounds like they might. I, I really don't know. It's It's really interesting, though, because people keep saying, the, the biggest thing to come out of this, in my opinion, is the value of Xbox Game Pass's subscription, which is like Netflix for games is what people kind of simplify it as. You know, they've always touted it as like, oh, you want to play an Xbox exclusive? You can pay $15 a month. You get it day one, no extra costs. Halo Infinite, there you go. Um, and and that, that negates is- the need for buying the game itself. Yeah, pretty much. Um, if you want to own it, you can, but it's almost, you know, you'll pay more in the long term, but you're still getting hundreds of other games at the same time. Right, right. And now, on top of that, they just added Call of Duty, Crash Bandicoot, Guitar Hero, Tony Hawk, Spyro, a bunch of other franchise, Overwatch, Diablo, it goes on and on and on. And then they have Fallout, Elder Scrolls, Starfield. Like, mm. they have a crazy value that they've, added to this this service in the last year alone year and a half maybe um before you know people were like this is cool if you own an xbox this is good for you but i don't think it was enough to bring playstation people or whoever in to xbox with that but now i think if you look at that and you go shit 15 a month and i get the new call of duty game for no extra cost every year and i get the new fallout game and the new elder scrolls game and starfield and everything else that's up crazy value not to call it a death blow because sony wouldn't concede like that but is that the type of move that we're talking about here is it that big of a deal it hurts it's considered like a an almost not quite checkmate but an almost checkmate-esque move i think the fact that the head of xbox came out today and said that yeah i had a phone call with sony this week kind of kind of tells you like (laughs) they probably were like dude what the fuck you know it's 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 definitely like uh people keep speculating like they're like sony has to do something now like they have to find another studio to buy (laughs) or they've just got to start to make good marvel games and and they're they're doing a really good job of it. Like Sony's like lineup is really good, and I, I think that's what's interesting too is because Xbox, at least in the Xbox One era, um, from 2013 to now, I guess has always been like Xbox has no games. They have no exclusive games, and that was a huge problem. And now they have. I bought like, my PS4. <laughs> I bought my PS4 specifically for the Spider-Man game. Yeah, exactly. And Xbox didn't really have anything unless you really love Halo or, or Gears Forza yeah. or Gears. Like, but you you know you're probably gonna be like, eh, do I need it? I don't know. Um, and you can play it on a computer if you have a good enough computer. But now it's kind of like, man, Xbox is looking pretty pretty nice right now. Uh, yeah. You know, they just bought some of the biggest franchises in all of gaming in the last year and a half, like I said. So 
Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to watch how, you know, we're at the start of this new generation of consoles and seeing how this plays out. Because I think the, not that PlayStation doesn't have great franchises and it's going to like suffer, but it's definitely going to be like, it's going to be harder to see the gap between them, you know, mm-hmm. as, it, as it was maybe last generation. And I, I really think that's really interesting because like I said, it's just, the tides are turning. And I think um, I posted a, that meme of Michael Jordan saying, and I took that personally. And yeah. I really do feel like that was Xbox, you know, a few years ago being like, all right, you said we got no games. Well, now we have all the games. Fuck you. Now, now <laughs> the newest Xbox is which? Series X? Is that correct? Series X, yeah. So I was already, and I had told this to you, because of Starfield alone, yeah. I was going to have to make the Switch. Because that to me is sort of like the pinnacle. Like that's like the cutting edge of gaming, right? Like right. you're taking the um skyrim format and putting it in space yeah exactly it's just as cool as it gets but then you got spider-man 2 coming out the following year yeah i want to cop that too yeah so it's it, you know it's tough for my wallet i'll put yeah. it like that yeah but uh all right let's move on to one of the new superhero series that came out in these last two weeks and that is hbo max's peacemaker from director james gunn spinoff of the suicide squad starring john cena's peacemaker Cade, were you excited for this show? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> no. When I when I saw that Suicide Squad like post credit scene, I'm like, I don't give a shit. Like I like that movie, but I was like, nah, I don't care. Yeah, but uh, I'm definitely like I'm kind of on board now. Why? Because you feel like you've been proved wrong. Yeah, exactly. Like I just it. I really was like, I didn't know that they were gonna have three episodes on day one. That was surprising to me. First of all, so mm-hmm. I watched all three of them, and I was like, this is fun. This is just like. This is fun. It's got some pretty good action too, like surprisingly. And not that I don't think James Gunn is capable of that, but good action, good humor, and uh, a compelling story uh, that's that's mysterious and fun to follow. But yeah, I I wasn't expecting this to be this like surprise hit. So I've screened the first seven. I, I oh, actually shit. think wow. Yeah, and I think there, there's only eight, which tells me that there could be a bomb in that final one. Yeah. yeah, but so really, what I, I want to sort of focus in on is. <laughs> Do you think that this is a sign of things to come for the DCEU, particularly as it relates to TV? Or is this just a result of James Gunn being excellent at what he does? Well, uh, James Gunn did say he's doing another DC TV show after this, which is interesting. So clearly Warner Brothers is interested in whether it's TV or just him. You know, that's that's an interesting move. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's he's he's such a special character in terms of like, I feel like everything he does is pretty good. Gone, you mean, um, yeah. yeah, so it's, you know, it'd be hard to replicate that without him unless someone really came, they had a vision, Warner Bros. stayed out of it, and they just let them operate. I don't know who and from what that, gun, And from what Gunn says, that's what they've let him do. Yeah, exactly. So if they could... Which, you know, David Ayer's punching air right now. <laughs> he got fucked, man. Not only did he lose his chance at a Suicide Squad franchise... Lost chance of making probably TV shows and stuff, and probably I don't want to say killed his career, but you know that that Shia LaBeouf movie he did as his little follow up was not good. No one forced him to make Bright either. That, oh my, I forgot that. I, that movie, man. <laughs> um, yeah, no. But so I'm trying to think of <laughs> of of the other uh, DC EU TV shows that have been confirmed, and the only one that I could think of off the top of my head because Batgirl's a film, right? Um, and there's the Gotham City PD show, which we haven't heard much about. I forgot about it, in a long, long time. 
So while I want to be excited about what this means for the prospects of DC TV so far, back when Brandon was on the show, I would say more or less, I'm going to assume DC is wrong until they prove that they're right. So what that means is, I think that I don't think that we have enough here to confirm that DC is going in the right direction substantially. Suicide Squad and this back to back, I believe that those are the two most recent DC projects, correct? Am I correct in saying that? That's a promising sign. Absolutely. But you also have to account for the fact that James Gunn is at the helm. And as you said, he doesn't really miss. Now, I think this time next year, we're going to have a better idea of if DC is actually on the right track. Because if the Batman lives up to its hype, and if Black Adam does what a rock film usually does, and that's <laughs> guaranteed half a billion dollars at least, yeah. and if it uh, adds to that being legitimately decent, and then you have Aquaman, which I think is a sequel to a bad movie that will probably be better, but the first one made over a billion dollars for some reason. I, I, I'm still not sure why or how, <laughs> I but I don't it did. know either. And I then like you that also movie, have but... the paradigm shifting Flash, which is going <laughs> to effectively rewrite the DCEU as it's known. So if you combine all of that with the Gotham show, which I, I genuinely I don't know when it's coming. I, I don't even what. Go ahead, kid. They're making the animated Batman series too with Matt Reese producing and JJ Abrams is on that. Right, right, right. So I think, I think in a year from now we could determine whether or not DC is truly right of the ship right now. And not to pour water on the peacemaker hype. I just think that what we're looking at here is more of a result of James Gunn being great and not so much DC's light bulb has gone off. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's interesting trajectory. I mean, they're all over the fucking place with their their whole thing. Like Batman does not take place in that universe. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's going to be two other Batmans at the end of the year in a Flash movie, which is canceling out one of their continuities. There's an Aquaman movie coming out like a month after that, that is in that continuity, but is having its history erased. And there's a black adam movie and we don't even know where the fuck that takes place mm-hmm. and uh, it's like they don't have it feels like they're just making projects but like don't have any idea of what they're like i don't need them is that a bad thing though universe. no i don't need them to have a cinematic universe but it feels like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too like they don't yeah. know if they want one or not so right. they're just kind of like doing. oh you're thing. right they're trying to do both yeah and it's it's incredibly jarring and like confusing to audiences too i think because if they were just doing solo movies, I think people could recognize that, but they had a Justice League movie, right? And that showed these characters coexisting. Are these audiences going to go in there now thinking like, oh yeah, this character exists here. Like they're expecting that now, especially because Marvel has conditioned them. Like it just, it's so confusing, even to me, who is someone who keeps up with all this stuff. I'm like, I'm trying to figure out where in the timeline this takes place and you're not making it easy yeah yeah well at least with the show we know exactly what it is that's post suicide squad now let's zoom back in on the show itself what is your favorite element or elements of the show so far john cena getting naked and just doing shit you know (laughs) he just goes for it Uh, so the james gunnian vibe yeah like it's just um it's weird right like he has uh sex with some girl he who he meets at a bar who looks like she's from like the 80s for some reason and then he picks up her vibrator and starts singing into it and and then she attacks him because she's a monster and then she explodes like it's a lot to process yeah Uh, yeah especially for a character i mean 
And this is what's fascinating about streaming shows, right? You've got to assume a kid scrolls across that. They see John Cena, who they love. They see the bright costume. It's being plastered on the main screen. And they're like, oh, uh, you know, sweet. But that is very much not. <laughs> that's not what the show is. Yeah. Like, I it's guess... not like they could say this is rated R. Look no. out. Yeah, like, I guess it is, like, juvenile in some elements, but I would never sit a child down and be like, watch this. <laughs> like, I'd probably yeah. fuck them up a little bit. But, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, I don't know, uh, really. Like, it's, 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 there's so much to enjoy about it. Um, I think it's also interesting, his stuff with his dad, like, it's just, like, it was just an outright racist. Like, they don't try to yeah. dance around, like, this guy, nope. this guy sucks. <laughs> Yeah, and that's um, very much a theme throughout the show. For me, it's twofold. This is something that I put out in a tweet, and it's something that James Gunn has been very good at for a long time, and he does this in this series later in the season, and that is his ability to elicit genuine emotion out of absurdity. Is yeah. And so, now, while I wouldn't call the We Are Groot moment in Guardians of the Galaxy 1 absurd, because yeah. it is a well-constructed <laughs> emotional beat, yeah. Groot is inherently absurd. Yeah, and the fact that he and the fact that he could only say three words <laughs> is inherently absurd. But James Gunn knew how to play that and turn it into one of the MCU's most emotional moments. Guardians of the Galaxy 2. You have the I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Like that is a fucking ridiculous line, but it it is layering an emotional moment. Yeah. And then you have in the Suicide Squad the entire rat catcher storyline, like mm-hmm. when uh Taika Waititi pops on screen as her father. Yeah, you're on. You're on the verge of tears. So, and that is something that has continued. Uh, it's not out yet, but that is something that continues in this show as it goes on. That you're able to become emotional about objectively ridiculous moments. So that's one. Next for me is how can I word this? <laughs> Superman is a lonely guy, right? That is, <laughs> yeah. that is something that yeah. is very uh, baked into the character, given his godly status. That is what Zack Snyder harped on the most, right? Right. Peacemaker is also lonely, but what's different in it, it in his loneliness is his alphaness, whereas exactly. Superman is like almost, uh, and this is as it relates to the last time that we saw him on screen, Superman is like earnestly lonely, yeah. whereas Peacemaker is such an alpha asshole that I don't even think he realizes that he is. Yeah. But he no, still totally. acts out as a lonely man. And John Cena's ability to portray a lonely alpha male superhero, I think has been fascinating to watch so far. I think that he is, I mean, we've learned this over the past few years. He's funnier than we realize. <laughs> yeah. But when the emotional beats call for it, I think he nails it. I think that the idea of a superhero being isolated not because he comes from some foreign planet and has godlike powers but because he's a prick and is trying to not be a prick yeah is a very investable storyline so so yeah. those would be my two highlights um thus far yeah i i agree with that I, the first movie i ever saw john cena in was the fred movie the annoying kid on the internet that made youtube oh, videos super I don't high recall. pitched voice uh that's all right don't worry about it uh <laughs> really besides the point this was like a nickelodeon tv movie and uh that was the first time i ever saw him he played the kid's dad but he was like john cena the wrestler so it was really weird but uh, i never would have thought we'd be here today with him 
as a leading man in a serious film franchise uh, or TV, whatever you want to call it. But um, he he is holding his own and it's hard to like my favorite show is Dexter. I've already talked to you about this. Like that's a show where the protagonist is inherently evil and like morally corrupt and whatever, but you like him. Peacemaker is evil and an asshole and you still kind of like him. Like that's right. a hard thing to do. Like he goes a step further than your Dexter's, your Walter White's, your Tony Sopranos. He's just a fucking unlikable piece of shit. Yeah. But you still kind of like want to watch him. Um, yeah. And that's I, James Gunn's talent. He's able to find the lovable in outcasts. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really well done. And, and, you know, I didn't, I never would have thought John Cena is like someone who's capable of doing something like this, you know, not say that he's like Oscar worthy or anything, but he's holding his own as like a serious actor. It's, you know, he's on the level of the rock, I would say, maybe not, you know, in terms of where his status, but like he can be there. If Yeah, well, that sort of leads me into my next point. But before I touch on it, I want to ask you, speaking of Showtime shows, did you start Yellow Jackets yet? I need to. I need to. Okay. Let this to for you and to all those out there. <laughs> we're probably not going to dive into that show, but let this just be if you've needed one more push to start it, let me be that push. Start it. <laughs> okay. So, to my point, where do John Cena's acting skills rank among him, Batista, and The Rock? I want to say Batista is at the top mm-hmm. personally. I mean, Blade Runner 2049. He's in that movie for five minutes, but he fucking crushes it, right? Right. Yep. Um, and then I would maybe put John Cena probably second and The Rock third. Rock is like charismatic, but I cannot think of a time where I've been like, ah, he's really getting the feels going here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I, I, I would say the exact same. I think Cena has more of the ability to carry projects. Yeah. I, I find him to be more electric but in terms of range i think yeah batista is probably the most rangy but in terms of like compelling to watch i've been loving cena in this show so far and then the rock you know not to disrespect the rock but he's like a um you know there's three-point shooters who were like finesse and there's guys who just dominate the paint (laughs) and fucking dunk it yeah that's that's the rock right he's Shaq. you know he's just bullying through people and analogy yeah so now uh all right let's take a quick break and then when we get back we're going to discuss the book of boba fett and the first trailer for moon Knight. hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I have some breaking news here. Oh, yeah. Christmas Story is getting a sequel and production begins on it next month. With the original cast? Yeah. I've actually never seen that one. Oh, really? That's the one where he gets his tongue stuck to the pole, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's about all I know about it. Quickly, since it came out on this day in 2008, Cade, you've seen Breaking Bad, right? Uh, yeah. 
Okay, because you have some blind spots, so I just wanted to make sure that that's not <laughs> one of them. No, I watched it as it ended. Uh, yeah, so I, w- I was there in the trenches as a 12-year-old boy being like, <laughs> oh, yeah, Walter White's so cool, man. I got to be honest. I rooted for him the first time, and I rooted for him when I rewatched it the first time. But by the third rewatch, I was like, okay. Maybe this guy's not the best. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's very evident that that is a guy who is. Um, oh man, yeah, I, I, I always like that. Uh, that Ozymandias episode where you just oh, see him go fucking off the walls. The like, greatest. I saw that in in college, and I lived in the fr- and I I lived at a frat house in a time, and the house has never been that quiet. <laughs> oh yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Ever, uh, I have never experienced such prolonged tension yeah you know yep. and then like they just cut it at the end it's really well done all right so moving on to the book of boba fett we are going to be doing away with our in-depth breakdown because <laughs> frankly i just don't think that this show deserves it uh as i touched on episode three last week was a legitimate relative disaster for me to such an extent that this week i felt apathy about watching the show like i had like for a star wars show i had never not been hyped to tune in that week until this week it felt like a legitimate chore and i'm not somebody who i don't like i like being proved wrong right like going into the show i said i don't think that this show should exist i think that they should have just put his storyline in mando season three and i hope i'm proved wrong yeah. So far, I've been proved right. <laughs> and that's unfortunate because, I listen, I, I while I don't think that the endless wave of IP content is inherently all 100% good, from a fan point of view, the more the merrier. You know, like I'm never <laughs> going to complain about uh, high budget, recognizable IP series or films that I enjoy. That said, Boba Fett and I don't think I'm alone in saying this, really just hasn't lived up to the standard that Mando set so far. And I, I kind of want to start there. Why do you think that this show, despite the fact that it features a character with a more extensive past and a more beloved past, doesn't seem to have that same magic as Mando did? I think it's for that exact reason that you just described is like, we don't know who the Mandalorian is and we're more interested on his journey because he's mysterious and weird and not weird, but he's, he's mysterious and we don't know about him. We don't know. We're interested in learning more about him. And um, also you don't have a hook like baby Yoda, right? You don't have to have a cute cuddly creature uh, to sell your audience. But I think I've talked about it on here before the, the end of episode one of the Mandalorian is a mic drop moment where none of us knew that that was coming. And I remember when I watched that, I, I forget, like that was the day Disney plus came out. And I think I had somehow tricked the system to let me in early, like a day before it came out. Oh, really? So I, I knew this fucking like secret. I was like, I don't want to go tell anybody what, what this is, but I was like, this is insane. And I want to see the world explode when this happens. And and I, it's funny that you happens. bring that up because I significantly remember, and I want you to keep going from here, but I remember watching the pilot and not really being sure. Like, I'm like, what's this show going to be about? And then when in that final moment they show you, you're like, oh, I know what the show is going to be yeah. about and I'm fucking in. So Yeah, no, exactly. So you don't have a hook like that. The show still hasn't been like introduced a moment where it's like here we go you know it's it's just this weird meandering thing like uh, part of the interesting thing about 
Boba Fett is that he's mysterious or was right. And we didn't know much about him. He was just this guy that showed up and it wasn't necessarily interesting, I guess, even, but he was cool to look at. And uh, he was some eye candy, I guess. And then you introduce him and try to flesh it out and it just doesn't work. And because they're not doing anything with them. Like this is what you said. This could have been something in, in Mando season three, but I don't think they needed to do anything with them at all because they're wasting their time. And it's just feels bizarre. Like there hasn't been a Disney plus blockbuster yet that I have been like, where I've gone in thinking this is going to probably suck and come out the other side thinking that did suck. Like I may be like, that wasn't the best, but I'm like, I didn't mind watching it. Right. Even Hawkeye, which I wasn't high on going in. And when it first started by the time it finished, I was like, okay, I'm glad I watched that. Yeah, exactly. I'm simply not there with this show. And I agree with your point about it, not having a hook. That's something that we've talked about on the show before, but I feel like that's almost letting it off the hook pun intended too easily. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. You don't need a baby Yoda type reveal to make a good show. I just don't think they are executing (laughs) at large. Yeah, totally. Regardless of whether or not there's that defining mic drop moment. I don't think that they are. I mean, I think one of the major complaints that I've seen is that Boba spent decades being like this legendary badass. And the first time he's getting his time to shine, he's as like this almost submissive peacemaker. And I had said this before, but the major problem that they're having is that the present day storyline is non-existent. I mean, it, it is basically the most trivial meandering sort of gang war that you could imagine, especially in the Star Wars world. And I've seen complaints like this is this universe is huge. And yet here we are on Tatooine again. So not only are they not introducing new elements or facets to the Star Wars world and or story, but they are effectively declawing one of the most cult hero characters that they had. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> declawing is a very good term for it. Um, and, and part of it's also they cast the guy who did it in, you know, did the clones in the prequels. He's older now and he's a little heftier, you know, yeah. no disrespect whatsoever. But like the guy is not meant for this action hero role. Yeah. And it's so bizarre, too, because for all the criticisms that I do have of the Mandalorian season two, which is just glorified. Uh, spinoff setups you know that's all it is every episode's introducing a new character to spin off you know okay, it's that's whatever fair. i mean i love that show but that's I, I do too no i do too but it's like you know whatever uh but like his episode is just like this awesome action sequence just throughout and and i don't know where they went wrong because they have everyone who was involved with that episode working on this entire show and somehow some way the action is just boring as fuck and i mean this this past week the sort of uh like tech music montage that they had when they fixed up fennec shan (laughs) i was i was legitimately thinking myself i was like i can't watch this right now i'm it's a chore i'm embarrassed like i'm actually cringe like this is legitimately cringeworthy content and the way that I want to expand this conversation is, does this make you worry about the upcoming Star Wars shows? Ooh, I mean, is, do we know of anything? I guess Ahsoka. Obi-Wan, so we have Obi-Wan and, this yeah. spring. We have Andor later this year. Yeah. And we have potentially Mando season three. Uh, Obi-Wan, I think, will be okay because 
I just feel like that's that's something they wanted to do for like a really long time from the sounds of you and McGregor talking about it over the years. He's like, I've been waiting to talk about this because we've been talking about it for so long internally. I feel like they got something there and he's just awesome. So I, even if the show sucks, he's probably going to carry it on his back. Mm-hmm. Um, the Andor thing, I, I don't... Rogue One's a really great Star And Wars that's movie. the defining line, right? Obi-Wan is a character that we want to hear more from. So you're like, yeah. fuck yeah, dope, I'm in. Andor, it's like, okay, like I enjoyed Rogue One, but was it because of Cassie and Andor? <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it, it was because it's a cool like heist movie, right? Like that's basically what it was. And um, maybe they'll do something like that with his show, but I fucking doubt it. It's, you know, the, the need to spin off existing characters into these other things like they have here in Boba Fett is concerning and that's kind of you know that's where i would say if they had an original star wars show with uh new characters and stuff like mandalorian i wouldn't be too concerned but it's this need to be like we need to push these characters that people know about the biggest star wars problem uh was always in the movies like oh it's coming back to the fucking skywalkers jesus christ Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and they're getting away from that in particular but like they are still relying heavily on old characters tell new stories like you said we're on Tatooine again yeah do something like it's this is such a rich universe and it feels like nobody knows what to do with it um I don't know why like something that I often say about the MCU shows is that I don't think that they could be properly judged until you've seen the whole thing yeah I think that that remains the case with this show these next three weeks could blow our fucking caps back and you could be all in right but more so than any other Disney Plus show so far, this feels like a, we want more signups. How do we do that? We yeah. give them a name that they know and like, how do we do that? We build a quick one-year show. I mean, they produced this in like a year pretty much, right? Yeah. So that definitely worries me in terms of the arc of Disney Plus series going forward. Now, granted, that could change in a month and a half when moon Knight comes out and hopefully bangs but i do think that i do think that it's a worrying sign in terms of like uh it it was either last week or the week before that we talked about agatha house of heart right (laughs) like that has a similar vibe where it's they're just they're just packaging they're not packaging a story they're packaging a character and because of that and because of that the story is faltering and that is hurting the brand overall i mean i would and this is totally anecdotal i would say at least three quarters of star wars fans right now aren't thrilled with this show and that's not where you want to be especially just because of where disney star wars has been over the right. last absolutely decade, you know? yeah and mando had people had? made the thing like oh they've got this shit figured out yeah. right but now it's level playing field again now as far as i see it they've done one right and they've done one wrong so i do think it's something to keep an eye on i mean i think Obi-Wan, I mean, you've got Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. Those are two of the most, like, outside of Luke, those are the two most iconic Star Wars characters that there are. Yeah. You also have the quality of Ewan McGregor. You also have the quality of Deborah Chow, who directed some of the best Mando episodes in season one. Yeah. I do think that that one will be more Mando than it is Boba. But overall, this has definitely worried me about their strategy going forward. And to that point, I would say the most excited that anybody has been about the show so far came at the end of episode four this week because why because the mando theme song yeah 
And that to me, is that the biggest sign yet that Boba's story should have just been in <laughs> Mando's show? Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, I, I don't know why I just thought about this. Did you see that? I'm doing air quotes right now. Leak of the Knights of Ren. I Disney did. Plus series. I did. I did. I don't know how real that is. I'm going to lean to the side of it's, it's not real. Same, but, but for a fake trailer, it looks really. It looks really good. So yeah. props to whoever made it. But I was like, if they're gonna do it, I would say that'll probably be the post credits thing, just like Book of Boba Fett was for the last season of Mando. I, that could be right. something that's at the end of this season of Boba Fett. Which would be an interesting thing, and maybe yeah, for but uh, but that's but that's like... part of the problem, right? When your most exciting <laughs> moments are teasers yeah. for other things, <laughs> you're storytelling for all the wrong reasons, and that Absolutely. undercuts the, not only the project in and of itself, but the character as a whole. When people think of Boba now, they're gonna think of this shit. Yeah, no, and, you're and, totally right. And you've effectively wiped out the lore. So dangerous, dangerous, dangerous as far as I'm concerned. Now, on to our main topic of the week, and that is the first trailer for Moon Knight, which was released on Monday night in concert with the first ever Monday night football playoff game and was released at halftime. It was it was not as good as, as I hoped it would be, but as good as I needed it to be. Yes. Um, did you see the reaction video between no, Oscar I, Isaac? No, I, I saw Ethan? it was out there, but I didn't watch it. <laughs> it's it's fun. Why? Are uh, they like underwhelmed by it or something? Or No, it's just like, I don't know. It's not that interesting. It's just like Oscar Isaac being like, oh, yeah, Kid Cuddy. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, my God. Yeah, I hate videos like that. I, I hate videos like that. So. Let's start out with uh, sort of more broad strokes. Do you think that Disney has the balls to make the show as dark as it should be? I didn't get that sense from the trailer, honestly. Um, Mm -hmm. Same. Like, it still feels like PG-13 within the realm of the MCU. Not hard PG-13 like the Batman, like regular family-friendly-ish PG-13. And... um, I, I mean, I don't know. It, it seemed a little goofier than I expected. Um, just like Oscar Isaac running by, like, oh, you know, like, <laughs> it's just like, what's going on? <laughs> it did seem goofy, yeah. Um, which is, you know, fine. Uh, but uh, I, I was, uh, there was a rumor a long time ago that Ethan Hawke was playing Dracula. And mm-hmm. uh, it seems like he's not playing that character. Correct. Which is very disappointing because I thought that would be really fucking cool. Right. Um, <laughs> But uh, it's it looks good. Uh, absolutely. It's like, I do I think they will have the edge that it needs? I don't know. And that is concerning for the future, too, when you introduce characters like Daredevil. I mean, they already fucking underwhelmed me with Kingpin extremely. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like, he's literally bouncing around the walls in Hawkeye. And yeah. I'm like, this yeah. is insane. Yeah, and I think if you look at the Disney Plus experiment so far i think wandavision was a massive success i thought falcon was well made but not as good as it should have been i think that loki was the best show that they've put out so far yeah i think that what if was gravy and the cherry on top for fans but nothing that's gonna move the needle and i thought that hawkeye was deep was was average right so you take moon knight moon knight is the first new character that is being introduced via a show. And I always found that fascinating because when you have a character like Moon Knight who is so antithetical to the MCU heroes that we've seen so far is the closest thing that they have to Batman, which is sort of a selling point in and of itself. You also cast someone like Oscar Isaac in the role. I found it fascinating that TV show was where he was going to debut. 
And that always made me wonder, like, is this a trial run? Like, if the show goes well, right, do they make a Moon Knight season two or do they make a Moon Knight movie? That is sort of yeah. what I'm that that is what I'm wondering most. And he doesn't he also doesn't strike me as somebody who like when you get Oscar Isaac, you want Oscar Isaac to interact with other stars. So yeah. that so I, I I think that there is a larger goal at play here. He uh, he's also very good at picking projects. He's not a guy who's like I'm. I need money, you know. Like he's he's uh, he's very smart with with the movies he picks. Obviously, he ended up in a bad Star Wars movie, but that's because he was already committed to you know a franchise that was otherwise pretty good. Yeah, and um, it, it's. It, you know, he, he's very smart, like I said, about the things he picks. And so I think that speaks to what we're even Ethan Hawke. He's not a guy who is known for even venturing into franchise. I, I think. Really. Yeah. I mean, I think outside of the purge, which wasn't meant to be. Yeah. It was, that was franchise. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's ever really ventured <laughs> in, into this world in terms of the question about darkness. One saving grace, I think. The reason that this felt goofy was a lot of the trailer was about his alter right. egos, which is Mark Spector. And uh, what's the other one that they teased? Uh, I don't remember. Steven something? Steven something. Steven yes. Grant? Steven Grant. Yeah, okay. But the Moon Knight scenes looked pretty fucking dark. So yes. that is sort of what I'm hoping that, I mean, this is an MCU project, right? So it's yeah. never going to be flat out the Batman dark, right? right? But I do hope that when the moments call for it, they lean in. When you've got a character like Khonshu, I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but <laughs> he's a scary looking motherfucker. Yes. So you have to make that scene relatively scary or else it'll just feel totally incongruent as a whole. So I'm hoping that they... It's never going to be as dark as as we want it to be because that would that because that would make it a non MCU show, right? Right. But at the same time, I hope that they have the balls to, in certain moments, push the boundaries further than they have in the past. Now, what would you say the highlight of the trailer was? The Moon, the moon Knight stuff at the end, um, with him just beating the shit out of somebody, and then I would also say, you know, to to change things up, the uh there's a moment where he's like in an ambulance or something i don't know what it is like a truck and he has like a gun in his hand he wakes up with the gun yeah he's like what the fuck and then he's like falling and so i was like interested by the trippiness of that yeah Um, yeah that's that's pretty interesting uh not totally dr strange but gives me dr strange vibes i suppose Mm -hmm. yeah i'm on the same page and i think a lot of the fans out there probably fans of the character are that uh the sort of moon knight action scene that we get at the end not so much the fact that you're seeing him in a suit but sort of the visceralness of the there's no quick cutting right yeah. there's no at least we hope so they didn't tease like a one-liner joke following right. it up <laughs> it was just him in a disgusting hallway yeah pummeling on some sort of demonic creature and if that's what we could expect from the action parts of the yeah. show then i am then i think that they will succeed in what they're trying to pull off but i think if they're pulling their their punches in that sense then also while you're playing the multi-personality not to call the affliction like in real life a game but when you're using it as a storytelling device it is a game so if 
And that will be inherently silly is probably a strong word, but there's a comedic element to waking up with a gun in your hand, right? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So I, I just think it's going to be important that they find that balance. Um, the first trailer, the closed captions confirm that Ethan Hawke is playing a character named Dr. Arthur Harrow, who in the comics is relatively minor, but the speculation out there that that character is going to be rolled into a character called as the Sun King. And via IGN, the Sun King is basically the antithesis of Moon Knight himself. He serves as Khonshu's rival, the Sun God Amun-Ra, and has pyrokinetic powers. The Sun King has a long history of mental illness of his own, and he's gathered a legion of followers who worship Amun-Ra, which is very much the vibe that we got yeah. from Ethan Hawke's scenes. You also combine the Kid Cudi song, Day and Night, Sun and Moon. So there's a lot of sort of thematic hints there as to who the character is playing. I don't know if much else could be gleaned about who he's playing from the trailer, but I do think if that's the road that they're going down, a sort of uh, cosmic war between ancient gods playing out through avatars on Earth, I do think that that's quite a cool little framework for the the show at large. Um. Uh, going back to really quickly about what you were saying about the him being in like a dirty, disgusting hallway. I guess it's another, I think you also said something like this too, but another good way of highlighting that split personality of like the regular Mark Spector is just a normal guy in a more colorful world or whatever. And then you switch to Moon Knight and it's grungy. It's kind of edgy. And it's and almost like an, uh, it's almost like an upside down and Stranger Things vibe. Yeah, absolutely. I think that'd be a really interesting way of, of framing that. That way it does when you get to those moments where they are violently beating down somebody, it feels more emphasized, you know, and you're uh-huh. like, OK, yeah, this is the real deal. Uh, I think that's an interesting framework. But yeah, what you were saying about Ethan Hawke's character is um Funny enough, sounds like the complete opposite of a Dracula type character, even <laughs> Sun King, right? Like, um, it, <laughs> it's it's a interesting character. I, I'm not familiar with this character whatsoever, uh, but I I'm interested in that almost like cult of personality kind of thing, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and and where that where that goes. Um, I just I I long for something meaty from the MCU, mm-hmm. uh, especially in its TV shows. There's some of that in the movies. Well, the would TV you? Shows qualify as the last meaty project in mcu endgame yeah infinity war endgame not no way home i guess i would say no way is that is that too (laughs) much sleek and shine i don't know i I really love that movie that's probably one of my favorite mcu movies so i don't know it's it's hard to say um well do you mean meaty in terms of storytelling um, i would say like not necessarily spectacle or whatever but like giving me something not to think about. I don't need to be philosophical, but you know, when I go see the Batman, that's going to be a meaty story. You know what I mean? Like, it's not going to make me think about something I'm sure, but I'll be like, Oh, there's a lot going on here. And I like to unpack that as I watch it. Right. And uh, I haven't really gotten that from the MCU in in quite a bit. So um, if ever, in some cases, Uh, I think infinity war Wade. I would say so. That's probably the closest. Um, yeah, so I, I and this seems like the perfect way to do that. This seems like the ultimate way to set up something like that. And I'd be really frustrated if they blew it because, like I said, this goes back to my what I was saying about like Daredevil and stuff. I'm like, that gives me concern about how they handle that character. And yeah. you know, I just want I want something more. Um, 
I don't know about you either, but the 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 TV shows have felt even more lighter than the movies. Um, it feels like the movies have always been like they they walk the line sometimes, but the TV shows they they don't feel that way in my opinion. Um, well, I think that's why WandaVision and Loki are my favorite so far because up until pretty much the WandaVision finale, you were so gripped by the drama of what was happening. Yeah. Like you weren't blown away by the fight scenes or yeah. the CGI. You were just so gripped by the mystery, right? And then Loki, to a similar extent, while not as, I'd say, dramatic in the micro, in the macro, in terms of what it meant for the MCU, in terms of Kang and timelines, had a tangible yeah. impact on the franchise. So I, 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 I get your point. I think what, what excites me about Moon Knight, the character the most, is he seems so incompatible with other yeah. Avengers. So to see, I mean, there's that famous panel that goes around of Moon Knight being like, Dracula, where's my money, you giant fucking pussy? <laughs> or like something like that. And so obviously the character is a gonzo one. Yeah. I'm curious to see how much they tone that up or down. Yeah. I don't, and like I said before, I don't see how you cast Oscar Isaac in this role without plans to integrate him in the larger MCU at, at large. Which leads me to my next and final question. Which MCU characters do you think are the most natural fit for Moon Knight to sort of cross paths with? I'm repeating myself a lot here, but Daredevil, I guess, would okay. be like, you know, if you want to see him, you know, because Moon Knight's, he's got some supernatural shit about him, but he's still like a street level character. Mm. Um, I don't know if you ever played the game Spider-Man Web of Shadows, but Moon Knight pops up in there. Um, no, but I've seen those videos of like... <laughs> the cutscenes and it's the funniest shit I've ever it's seen It's a in my life. very ridiculous game, but it's it's a very interesting game. It's like, what if Spider-Man was in the zombie apocalypse and the zombies are symbiotes? And I'm like, this is crazy. All oh, right. Yeah. And Moon Knight steps in to help and does some shit and Luke Cage is there and Black Widow is there. It's it's a wild ride. But um, yeah, the, I, I think like, I don't think we'd ever see him with Spider-Man. And I don't even think I can imagine Tom Holland Spider-Man alongside Oscar Isaac's Moon Knight. I, it just doesn't sit in my mind. But yeah, I would say Daredevil is the, the only one that comes to mind right now. I mean, do you have any picks? Yeah, I mean, I think it's relatively obvious. I think that it's Blade. Um, oh, I think, shit, I, yeah. I think that, and then I think on top of that, when you consider the Eternals post credit scene, that's also Kit Harrington's Dane Whitman. I could see Doctor Strange being in that realm as well, but I think Doctor sure. Strange has got his own fucking problems. <laughs> He's got right, a lot right, on his plate. Right now, so I sort of see the... <laughs> Uh, demonic sort of godly mystical corner of the MCU being occupied by Moon Knight, Dane Whitman, who I think becomes a hero called Black Knight mm -hmm. and um, Blade. Now, I think that because Blade was teased in Eternals, I think that that's a guarantee that we get a more substantial tease of him here. I don't see how you have what seems to be demonic characters running around and not introduce Blade in some way, shape, or form. I think that, like I've been saying, it strikes me odd to have Oscar Isaac, one of the biggest A-list stars we have, in a show that they're going to release in March, you know? So I think that yeah. in terms of tangible impacts on the MCU, whereas, like, Loki not only hinted at Kang, they introduced him. And yeah. while I'm, I don't want to promise that where I think that this is where Moon Knight will go, that Blade will literally show up in the flesh and be involved. Do I think that this is going to be the next step towards 
integrating the character into the MCU as a whole? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do we get like a Kit Harrington cameo? Possibly. Do I think that Blade physically shows up? I'm not sure. But will this be another step forward to his storyline being unleashed? Absolutely. That's a really good point. I guess you're thinking more outside the box than I was. I don't know why I was thinking of characters that we've already seen. But yeah, th- those are really good calls. Um, Blade, I was just looking at uh, I mean, Black Blade... Knight, Moon Knight. Let's fucking yeah, swing swords. You know what I mean? Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah I was Blade at... has a sword, too. These are the MCU swords. It's, true. it's, uh, it's the... Uh... What are they called? The Three Musketeers. League of Shadows. Or that. Yeah, the League of Shadows, <laughs> Three Musketeers, whatever. Um, the the interesting thing is I, I looked at what Blade's release date was because I didn't think it had one. It doesn't have one. Um, it begins production this summer, I believe. Does it? Okay, well, I guess probably coming out sooner than I than I thought. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's, that is a strong possibility. I'm sure that they have what their story is going to be, at least in loose sense, uh, like, do Not we really doubt. expect the Eternals tease to be the only tease of him between now and the time that the film comes out? No yeah, I way. Guess there's not many other places to, like, really conveniently place that. Uh, right. I mean, we've got Thor later this year and Doctor Strange and some other Black stuff. Panther 2, Black Guardians. Panther 2. This don't really make Ga- sense Guardians 3 at the start of this, uh, start of next year. Yeah. So the yeah, Marvels. I, so none of these really sort of fit into the moon into the blade corner as much as Moon Knight does. So that would be my sort of big, good call. big swing here. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call. I I'd probably agree with that. Then, um, yeah, I mean, like if I was gonna say like Daredevil was going to show up, it wouldn't be here. Like it would be down the line. Like well, I think him. I I more. think him and uh, She Hulk is a guarantee. Yes, yes, I think so too. I mean, that's already been like leaked or rumored a yeah. bunch, so I think that's a guarantee, like you said. But yeah, I don't think we'll see him until then. Um, yeah, that's a that's a good call. Blade is um, he's such a cool mystical character, and uh, I the would CGI like looks great. Him. The suit looks really cool. Yeah, I agree. Do, do, did they give him? Is his seat just entirely uh, CG? It looks like it, yeah. It doesn't look like he has a physical costume, but no. But he did say when he put on the suit, that's his. That's like the most badass that he felt in his life. So maybe it's maybe kind of like a something. hybrid. Yeah. But the, I mean, we show it sort of envelop him, and we see the face close up. Those are both clearly right. yes. CGI yes. Uh, constructs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's an interesting thing that it is like a CG thing. Like they could have probably done that in camera, but whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I hope you're right though. I would like to see more Blade stuff because um, I'm. Are you familiar with the Midnight or uh, Marvel Knights? Yeah, no, the Midnight. Oh, the Marvel Knights, not yeah. Midnight, Midnight Suns or some shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Marvel Knights is like uh, Moon Knight and Blade and uh, I think Punisher and and some other characters and Ghost Rider. Oh wow, um, badass! Yeah, there's some of the more edgy characters that kind of form their own little group. Yeah. Um, Avengers After Dark. Yeah, that's uh I mean if they want to do um do something edgier, like that would be the way to go for it, right? Like they don't have to be in Avengers, so they're not competing with tones. Right. But you set up something like that, something with like again the Daredevil is part of that usually and some other characters that are a little more hardened. Uh that that would be really interesting. Um I guess we don't really know much about what Marvel's plans are. Uh long term right now like we usually do like we only know kind of the next couple movies but they they're keeping the rest of it close to the chest i saw something today about avengers 5 uh on comicbook.com um it's still years away and will be very different 
Um, hmm. What the fuck does that mean? I don't know. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So overall, though, I'm still expecting this just by the nature of the character itself, unless they fucked it up colossally for this to easily be one of my favorite MCU shows. I'm already predicting I'll like it more than uh, Falcon and Hawkeye and what if. And I think for me, it will compete in that WandaVision, Loki realm. And if we're lucky, probably surpass those two. Yeah, I I think this will probably be one of the better ones. Um, Have you gone back and rewatched any of the shows at any point? Um, No. I would okay. rewatch the episodes while it was happening, but have right. I like sat down and rewatched now? Yeah, that's kind of been like a thing for me. It's like when I th- I haven't rewatched them, but like when I think about rewatching, I'm like, would it hold up the same way it did? I mean, I you gotta you gotta understand though, WandaVision has only been out for a year. Yeah, it's felt like forever, but it's only been a year, you know. Right, right. I guess part of the intrigue of WandaVision for me was the mystery of it all. And I guess when you know where it's heading, like, does it still hold the same way? Right. I'd be curious to see. Like, I'm not saying right. it won't, right. but I would be absolutely. curious to see yeah. if it if it really does. Yeah. Um, yeah, know. absolutely. All right. I think that that's a solid point to stop. So make sure to follow me at Eric Italiano on Twitter. Make sure to follow Cade, Cade underscore Onder. Follow the podcast at Postgred Pod. I don't know if you're going to hear from us next week because <laughs> the movie landscape right now is a bit quiet. Uh, I think the next major release is Uncharted, which is February 8th, I want to say. 18th. 18th, I'll which look. is about two, three weeks. If Boba Fett steps up their shit yeah, and makes yeah. next week's worth talking about, hopefully we'll hop back on the mic for that. Peacemaker. Now, see, I know HBO Max released their recent series, Station Eleven. They did like three, and then they did two, 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 and then the final, they just did one. I think Peacemaker, they dropped the first three, and it's going to be weekly from here on out. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is the type of show that really requires weekly breakdowns, so I guess we'll play that one by ear as well. But if you haven't already, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we will talk to you all next week. Peace.